strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another edition of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. This episode is 16 personality types, 7 storylines, and 7.7 billion people. We figured it was fitting since we'll be reviewing 11 Rings, Phil Jackson's book, later on in the podcast that with where we're at with our business, with content creation, and how to resonate with people, this seemed like a good theme, even though it's a long title. How are you guys doing? Doing great. What about you guys? Pretty doing good. Pretty good. Let's start with the uh, food comas from last night and what you ordered for delivery, Corey. Yeah. So last night I went Thai. I was starving. Um, I got the Hatsi U, <laughs> or however you <laughs> love, pronounce love it. Love that fish. It's very underrated. Yeah. You know what? Everyone always goes um, the Pad Thai if you're an American, obviously. And sometimes I go like green curry, Penang curry, but um, yeah, I went Patsy U. Um, and then um, Sarah got some some beef dish, and obviously she just doesn't eat that much. And I had two meals, so I really feasted and uh, capped off. Yeah, obviously, capped off the night with uh, Ralph's Ices. You of guys course. know Ralph's from Jersey? So they just opened up right next door to me, super dangerous, and they're open up all winter long which is not the wow. ordinary. And uh, I went, they happened to be out of everything. So I went sugar-free. That's all they had, but it was vanilla chip and it was awesome. But uh, yeah, had some uh, morning troubles. Morning troubles is in yogurt land troubles, Corey. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Man. Oh boy. <laughs> Way worse. We're going to have to start calling you sweet tooth Dan yeah. pretty soon. Your Sunday night special. I know, man. Dan's sweet tooth is really it. grown what on you me. Do to, what are we waiting on tonight for delivery? <laughs> so tonight I actually uh, went – I ordered mm. Eat Clean Bro for the week, which if you're not familiar with Eat Clean Bro, it's a meal delivery service. And it's really the only way to save money in if you're living in New York. Um, it's like what $10 meals. <laughs> I'm just saying it's the only way I could save money. So it's 10 buck meals and uh, it's they're really good. So – yeah, pretty pumped. I'm waiting for that to come. Nice. What's on the way from there? There's everything from like, I mean, it's healthy takes on everything, but everything from like chicken sausage, chicken parm, eggplant meatballs, peanut butter balls that are like for dessert. Got some breakfast wow. burritos with, you know, egg whites and stuff. But yeah, pretty pumped. That sounds awesome. Yeah. What about you guys? How about you, Dan? You guys are going to find this crazy. So, you know, our parents are in Colombia right now. Mm-hmm. Dad just sent me this picture of this dude selling like marijuana plants in the street, like in the market. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. So, not much of a change from uh, Denver to Columbia. <laughs> it's pretty right? wild. Yeah, it <laughs> follows Bob everywhere. Weed's not even legal there. Yeah, that's interesting. Someone's probably trying to bust them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, what was your uh, food coma like last night? Uh, so it was kind of light. I made challah French toast at Whoa. like probably around noon and sort of just like nibbled on it all day and never really had a dinner. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of depressing when I say and it out loud. What, what are you waiting on right now? I'm waiting on Mod Market. Mod Market? What'd you got? I got like a chicken and rice dish and uh, half of a margarita pizza and a fruit waffle. Whoa. A fruit waffle? Is that a new thing over there? No. I always get their fruit. It's not like called a fruit waffle, but it's a waffle. It's a dessert style waffle with... What seems to be some sort of jam on top. I mean, it's delicious, but it's small. Sounds mm. amazing. Yeah. Did Murray sounds great. Well, I went last. I did burger five, my usual vegetable quinoa burger with fried egg, mushrooms, jalapenos, 
Uh, I really went hard Saturday and did like a full pizza to the face with wings and ice cream. That's usually my Sunday lately when, since the giants haven't been in the picture for years, I've kind of shifted gears on my Sunday food coma to Saturdays. But last night I, uh, what else did I get with that? Um, Oh yeah. I ended up ordering choice market and got a couple of those snack packs, a veggie hummus snack pack and the meat cheese pack. And called it a night pretty early. And uh, I actually have not ordered anything yet. I got caught up thinking about storylines for this. And uh, I'm going to have to order something on the fly here. What should it be, guys? Oh, man. Um, true Mondays. I'm feeling, like, I'm feeling like a Hooters night for you. Wow. See, I went really hard on wing. I just had wing Saturday night. Sounds like so Normally, uh, I'd be all in there. Meatball Mondays? Mike and Meatball I, Mondays. Uh, speaking of the, I'm just going to say the wings because there's the NCAA championship game tonight in football. And Can't wait. Mike. We had to bet LSU, Corey. Uh, Mike, dude, uh, I bet 500 on it. Pumped. Dude, Mike and I, mainly Mike, but I'm a part of it because it's a combined account. We have been on an absolute tear for betting on the playoffs in the NFL. Like we have turned. Wow. $200 into a lot of money <laughs> and we're just <laughs> we're winning every game. We literally took Kansas city money line when they were down 24, nothing. That was such a, yes, dude. like, come on. Know. You know, that wasn't even like that bold of a prediction. If you're to say to me, what are the odds of this happening? It would have been stronger than a flip of a coin. So that was like a, when that happened, I was like, yeah, it's about time. They will. Yeah, when it was twenty-one no nothing, Ryan was not that game. You knew something was going to happen, and that, Dan, I told you when that fourth sense. and one, they didn't go for it. Game over. Yeah, that was it. Twenty-one nothing. I have a text to Belloc saying, "Dude, let's just bet everything on on the Chiefs," and we didn't, but we should have, obviously. Well, yeah. Corey, we had already had a bet on them with the spread going in, so it was like, all right, well. We, we need to at least get them winning this game here, you yeah. know? And luckily it worked out both ways. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I love LSU tonight. I also like the under, I think, because everyone, you know, should be two high-scoring games. It should go over. Um, I hate betting unders, but I think – It's so tough to in college especially. I feel like I like betting an under way more in the NFL I like betting college football. Agreed. I like betting unders. Well, one, it's really high, but I like betting unders on big stage games, which obviously tonight is. It's you know, yeah. a lot of pressure. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to throw five touchdowns again, but who knows? He's a beast. But He um, might fall apart knowing he's going to Cincy next year. That, that alone <laughs> might just make him be like, eh. Yeah, let me throw this game. But on the, <laughs> right? on the other side um, – Where careers go no to die. No one's talking yep. about Lawrence. That guy's undefeated since he's – he's, what, 25-0 in his last 25? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's weird. Well, no, you know. you something, right, Corey? Yeah, I think it's tonight. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think 25 and 0 was a great number, and now 25 and 1 sounds great. Yeah, go Tigers. Yeah, and we were at a game, so it's fitting we take them. Yep. It's like Gooks Tigers. Gooks Tigers. Yeah. Gooks Tigers. So, Dan, what do we got? Food news of the week. Um, so believe it or not, there was not really much news to report. The, uh, the only real news of the week is it's not even news. Grubhub denying sales, but they're lying about a, de- about a pending sale. No other food news. Dan, come on. You didn't catch the news on Cheetos? No. They announced yeah, an but- official name for the dusty cheese residue left on your fingers. I figured that was something that would have crossed What is path. it? Well, just before, Wait, can, can, we, can we guess it before you yes, say it? Yes, please do. Orange dust. Um, ooh, fucking love that. Keep on going. I like that a lot. Um, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Orange key. Fire The nickname fingers? is an actor, a famous actor's name. His last name. That was in I'll, – I'll give you even a greater hint. One of the best – Movies involving a casino in the past hundred years. Oh, all right, so Robert De Niro. No, Pe- Pesci. No, no, no. Think, no. think of what we're talking about here. Think the about movies. Cheetos. I was thinking Cheetos, about Cheetos, 
Think about the movie. Pacino. Pacitos. Oh, Pacitos. Close, but no cigar. Um, Come on. This is a good one, actually. Wait, what do you mean, come on? You're saying this like... Are you referring to the movie Casino? I'm not. I'm referring to the movie Ocean's Eleven to give you even more of a hint. Oh, okay, Uh, okay. Pit? Orange Pit? Um, Come on, man. Think of whose last name is so obvious for this to be the name. The only guy I can think of that movie right now is Brad Pitt. Oh, Clooney. Orange Clooney. Uh, Clooney? Uh, (laughs) The guy, the detonator (laughs) dude. Come on. The detonator. Cheadle. Don Cheadle. It's called Cheadle. Oh, Don Cheadle. Cheadle. Yep. You know what? I, I'm with Dan. I like uh, orange dust. <laughs> yeah, orange first dust. Time. It sounds like crack on bat or something. I know. That's kind of where, like that's what well, that's what I would have got if I were that. Well, that you're, if your hands yeah, have Cheetos, Cheeto Cheetos on them, crack. now you know. I mean, you think yeah. Don's pumped about that? Um, He's got to be. Right? It's spelled Dude, differently, my, but either way. To my defense, I don't really look up food news as much as like on-demand delivery restaurant news. Well, Dan, that's a but, big deal. I mean, that's for years been something people have thought about. You know, well, we've right. all had that happen to us. You're right. I dropped the ball this big, week. Big time. That's the biggest food news I've seen <laughs> in months. I'm so, uh, Speaking of cheetahs, <laughs> they are coming out with a documentary – or not a documentary. <laughs> they're coming out with a movie about the guy who uh, invented hot cheetahs. Are you guys familiar I'm with that not, story? Not. It's pretty much the janitor uh, working at the Cheeto factory. He would take home blank Cheetos before they got dusted with Uh cheese. And his wife made hot Cheetos and it just blew up. He went in front of like all of corporate, whoever owns Cheetos, there's a company behind it. And um, yeah, they took off. Now he's like literally a billionaire and he created hot Cheetos. I feel like that would have been you if you were in that situation there. Like you would (laughs) have come up with that if you were that guy. If you actually think that though, these need to become yeah. hot. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, because you love hot <laughs> wings. That would have been like, wait a minute, we need to spice these up. Yeah, something's missing yeah. here. Interesting. Uh, what? What? Well, that leads me into food for what thought. Do we got? So I want to talk this week about food use and like hacks other than actually eating the food. I always find those interesting. Um, and a few that I found really interesting were mayonnaise and peanut butter. So mayonnaise, um, although it's not the healthiest condiment, it comes packed with many other benefits. So it can even fix cracks in wood or furniture. It strengthens your fingernails. It cools skin when you actually have a sunburn. So I thought that was interesting. I looked up how it actually works to fix a crack. And if you actually leave mayonnaise for a few days in the crack that's broken, it actually releases oils and proteins and it makes the wood swell up and it shrinks the crack and it's pretty much invisible. So you can't wow. see it. So I thought that was never would have guessed mayonnaise kid. Never fix knew a crack. That. That's amazing. Yeah. And then the other one with sunburns, um, I know it sounds gross to really rub yourself down with mayo, but um, it works really well. Um, it, I guess the oils, Instantly moisturize and cool the skin. And um, you know what's crazy about yes, that are- is you also told me that, and this works like a charm. When you cut yourself shaving and you put deodorant on it, it stops. Well, really stops the bleeding. To- toothpaste. Instantly. E- either or, I go oh, deodorant wow. though. Interesting. Deodorant's yeah. a little cleaner. Yeah, and then it makes your face smell good. Yeah. So, but Corey, you're all about like, when you got issues with the body, using different food remedies and other ways to fix it. It's uh, all about that. And yeah, um, the other one I thought was interesting is peanut butter. So about another uh, here, Dan, you might like this one, but it can be used for shaving wow. cream. Um, really? Not a permanent replacement, but it's a good solution when you're out of shaving cream. Spread a thin layer of smooth peanut butter, not crunchy, um, on your face. Or if you're a girl, you can do it on your legs. But the natural oils in peanut butter help moisturize the skin. So that works. And if you actually have organic peanut butter, um, that works even better. uh, Cleman would have a problem with that one. Yes, if you're allergic to nuts, stay clear. Yeah. The issue I have with that is I feel like the peanut butter would get too 
stuck in the razors like not like you know when you take a spoonful of peanut butter and then you go and run it underwater it doesn't it doesn't get the peanut butter off you gotta like get a something you you gotta like get your thumb you need to to get a razor exactly you need a razor The other thing it does that I thought was pretty cool, um, if you ever have like squeaky door hinges or creaking objects that could use some lube, (laughs) if you don't have a can of oil handy or WD-40, you could use the natural oils in peanut butter and a little dab of that and you'll be squeaky clean. I'm going to lube up all my doors tonight with some peanut butter. Corey, that's some good stuff right there. I did not know any of that. And then a bonus, the only reason I didn't put this in is because you actually do have to eat it and these were things – food hacks that you don't eat but if you take a lemon and you wash it with uh just water and some apple cider vinegar and then you you uh shred the uh, lemon peel the skin of the lemon peel and you eat that it gives you energy and they say it also uh kills cancer cells in certain cancers you hear that folks that's a lot of shedding knowledge tonight by Corey. yes and uh that is food for thought foods for thought yeah, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. Good work. A lot of good stuff there. Thanks. And yeah, guys, so let's dive into the brass tax here. So we're basically at a point with our business, as we discussed last week a bit, how we're starting to curate all of our own content, how all of our marketing now is coming from things we're actually creating. And a lot of that is trying to determine what resonates with different types of people. So naturally... Before we dive into the book, I wanted to talk to you guys about the different, the 16 different personality types for starters, and then go into the seven different types of storylines so we can kind of make sense of what we're really up against here, you know, heading into the year and what with trying to figure out content channels. So when you think of the 16 personality types, they're really broken down into four different segments to keep it easy for everybody. And I avoided these whole INFJ things because I personally find that whole thing confusing. So I I labeled these based on the most common name that they go by to that everybody can really relate to. So I I guess to start off, I'll just list these off and we can kind of go over what we think of as our different types of customers because clearly everyone eats food. That's the beauty of the business we're in. But we have to figure out what resonates with different types of personality. So the first four types, guys and girls, are broken down into analysts. So when I say analysts, I'm talking about an architect who is somebody who's an imaginative. They're very imaginative. They're strategic. They always have a plan for everything. So somebody that's somewhat of a visionary, but also, you know, is tactical. Then there's a logician which is basically like a magician when you think about it. Somebody that's an innovative inventor that is constantly on a quest for knowledge. Another personality that falls under the analyst is a commander, which is naturally, as it sounds, a bold, imaginative, strong-willed leader who always figures out how to do something. And the last part of an analyst, the fourth personality type there is a debater. So someone that's smart and curious a thinker who cannot resist an intellectual challenge. So that's the first segment. Do you guys have any thoughts on that in terms of when we think about people on our team even and a customer trait, what comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I almost think it's easier to associate these to people on our team than customers. And it's easier to put customers into more so demographic related categories that could fall into different storylines because it's it's tough for us to really know at least you know when you meet a customer is a customer a debater a logician a commander but uh, you know but reading through these you can definitely attach them to people on our team and dan how about though like ras and like you know campus heads like leaders of frats and student groups i think you could definitely categorize these people in this types of students and community leaders too when you think about the different types of people that order from us i think you could dissect that from this as well 
I mean, so what, what would you say uh, president of fraternity is? You're going to call him a, a logician? <laughs> uh, no, a commander. Uh, but how do you know they're a commander? How do they're, you know they're not a – Well, because they're, they're a president of a fraternity. But they could be general qualities. I guess they could still be different for each person. We, Either yeah, way, I think there's like certain things you could prototype based on a, a role, yeah. right? That you would – Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, yeah. Generally, say that most leaders are commanders. Well, yeah. So that's that's something to just think about. I think even when you think about ad messaging and what resonates with different types of people, it's about relating to them in their worlds, right? With where it's like, oh, so what does this person think of themselves as? So what's going to resonate with that type of person? Yeah, I guess I'm having a tough time looking at it. Where I mean, does that mean we're supposed to essentially take this? and come up with ad sets for all these different personality types instead of more so assign these different personality types to demographics that have crossovers. No, I think the latter is dead on. I don't think it's about creating 16 different personality types. Keep in mind too, when we dive into the rest of these, there's really only, there are 16 types, but they fall within four categories. It's kind of like same, you know, corporation, different division, that joke Maniscalco says about the Italians and Jews. When you really think about the the people on earth, they're sure there are 16 types, but it's really, they fall into four segments. Mike, what type would you say that you are? Oh man, putting me on the spot here. I mean, with, without a doubt, I would put myself in the explorer category. Yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of like, you know, yeah. Like when I look at all those things, that's what comes to mind for myself. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, I think we're all being the explorer category. The other thing, I mean, I, I definitely see myself as a mediator. Um, definitely. Part, part, partly. And, um, you know, I like to say architect also. I see two times uh, as a like debater. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. That. I mean, that's for, <laughs> without question. And yeah, you know, like like Kath Roland probably is a uh, you know an advocate. Yeah, <laughs> like she she likes to think what, of herself what, as an advocate. Would Bob? What would you say, Bob? Bob, is? I'm also a, co- a consul uh, defender. No, Bob? no, no, definitely not. Bob is not a defender. <laughs> I would put him in. Uh, that's a great question, Corey. I'd say also a debater. He's a, he's a debater in some ways, but. You know, like here's the thing. There's the, we almost need a 17th personality on here. Th- there needs, <laughs> yeah, there needs to be a, a no glass <laughs> category, which is not on here. Because I was gonna like screw around and be like, Bob's obviously one of these virtuoso types, but I- I'm like being <laughs> completely, you know, screwing around there. Where, where's the where's the probability category? Seriously, <laughs> but yeah, guys, let's dive into the rest of these. So diplomats are. Advocates, mediators, protagonists, and campaigners. And what's cool about these terms, they really speak for themselves. An advocate is somebody, it's an idealist. Someone that's inspiring, tireless, like our mother in the Jewish education world. She's an advocate for her cause. It's like us with food delivery when you think about it, right? We're definitely all advocates. And yeah, mediators are really altruistic people altruistic people who are always eager to help a good cause. Corey, like you said, you're definitely a mediator without question. Uh, I would call you poetic in many ways. And then, you know, of course, and a protagonist, charismatic and inspiring leaders able to mesmerize their listeners, which, Hey, we're all trying to be here on this podcast, right? Absolutely. And then when you think of a campaigner, Enthusi- I think of Bernie Sanders supporters when I think of campaigner. An enthusiastic, creative, and sociable free spirit always finds a reason to smile. There you go, Dan. I mean, that's a. I guess that's one way to describe a Bernie Sanders supporter. <laughs> yeah, sh- shout out Sean Connell. He is a campaigner. I, I think yeah. he lost hope in Bernie Sanders after the last election. I don't know. Sean's kind of jumped bandwagons, but they keep dropping out of the election. <laughs> Love you though, Conch. Uh, I doubt Conch is going to listen to this, but you know, never know. No uh, send, so then there's sentinels, which are logisticians, practical and fact-minded individuals who reliability cannot be doubted. Defenders speaks for itself. Very dedicated, always ready to defend their loved ones, 
I think that's like loyalists in business too. Executive, you know, that's self-explanatory right there. A console, console is an extraordinarily caring, social, and popular person who's always eager to help for the cause. So when you think of people like that, it's, you know, people like high up in negotiations with terrorists and with countries like the China-US deal right now, the premier of China would be an example of somebody that's a consul that's, you know, trying to really, he's in one end a mediator, but he's also really trying to make men's at an, another level. Executive, Tim Cook. Tim Cook's an executive. And who's a defender? Anthony King. <laughs> Anthony King. <laughs> right. Let's backtrack. You know, I guess anyone that's getting paid on the clock is a natural defender. Anthony King's our lawyer. And lo- yeah, he did. He, he did defend Quiznos. So. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that guy's name? The guy, the Quiznos guy. Oh man, uh, a logistician. You know, that's uh, whose reliability cannot be doubted. Practice. That's Anthony. That's two times. Yeah. Then, then we've got the explorers. So virtuoso, bold and practical experimenters, masters of all kinds of tools. You've got an adventurer, flexible and charming artists. What'd you say, Dan? Uh, (laughs) No, nothing. (laughs) Which one of these would you say Jeff Ball falls under? Jeff Ball. Ah, man. I would say he's a defender. I would say Jeff is, you know. Defender loves ones. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right. I I think he's an advocate, too. Jeff's a big advocate. Jeff's a defender and an advocate. Yep. And then when you look at more of the explorers here, adventure, flexible and charming artists, always ready to explore and experience something new. You know, you would look at that like as a Russell Brand type, you know, someone like For that. Sure. An entrepreneur, smart, <laughs> energetic, and very perspective, perceptive people who enjoy living on the edge. I, I personally like to think of myself as an entrepreneur entertainer where it's like, you know, always trying to, keep things moving and get pumped up and live on the edge. Really? Yeah, definitely an entertainer. For sure. So, yeah, I I think guys, though, it's just cool to think about those things for ourselves and not only our team, but really the world, because that is the world in a shoestring right there. As crazy as it sounds, we've got 7.7 billion people and there's 16 personality types that really fall within four real categories. So what are your thoughts on that, Corey? Let's start with you. Like what comes to mind with all that? I mean, it's just crazy. Um, well, when you were, I was reading what you wrote that there's 7.7 billion people in the world and 16 types of people. I was just kind of dumbfounded. Um, it doesn't really add up to me. I feel like, but, but it's true. Um, when I was looking at everything and reading what each one is, I mean, there really are only, I can, could you think of another no, type? No, no, there's no doubt I, that that is when you break it down, it, it, it that's what it is. And cause it, I mean, it, it, it covers all types of people like introverts and extroverts in different ways when you really break these down. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'd say I would add is when you look at the descriptions of all these, they're all, positive well yeah dan that's the whole point though of personality types is seeing the best in people like that's that's what it's supposed to highlight so when when we're even thinking about like an ad for example to a demographic we're not necessarily thinking like oh like what are jimmy's bad vices guys no you're right even even someone who yeah might socially be looked at as not necessarily a positive influence in the world, you could still put into one of these things for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. So that it's just a really interesting thing because I think it comes down to also, which we'll go into in the book in a bit, but even with the seven storylines, keeping things simple, like sometimes less is more, which I think we're even starting to see with our team and our business, being a lean machine and focusing our energy on certain things with more of our resources. I think that really sums this up too, when you think about it. Sure, there's billions of people, but people are people and they're, you know, we're all human at the end of the day. 
and there's really only X amount of types. So the relatability there, it's almost comforting in a way when you think about it. Even though we have this vast world, it's easier to relate to somebody when you really break it down. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's something to think about. And then, guys, with the storylines here, the seven storylines, to keep this very easy, and keep in mind, this is whether you're watching a movie, watching a show, reading a book, and literally everyone's lives, when you think about how they think of themselves, it revolves around one of these seven things at some point. So let's go over these. Overcoming the monster is the first one, which I think we all can relate to a ton right now with the business we're in and the, the big competitors we've been dealing with. Right, what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I love, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is the part that it fascinates me a little bit more. It's just uh, when we started to look into this and realize that these are kind of like, this is the framework for creating a story, whether it's a book, a movie, whatever it might be, they're all kind of about this and overcoming the monster. When you think of, really famous commercials and ads throughout the time overcoming the monsters one that doesn't come to mind as much. A lot of the other ones do, but over the coming the monsters kind of what we're doing right now. So it's the exact position we're in. So Dan, with that, do you <laughs> think it makes sense for us to create a video around this for our customers? Um, I mean, you know, I know you and I have been talking about it nonstop. It just boils down to coming up with a storyline and script that, is done right. And actually, yeah, I was going to bring this up and I might as well now. Do you guys remember the 1984 Apple ad? It was of course, George Orwell, big brother. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that commercial is, Corey, in case you don't remember what we're talking about, it's basically Apple's commercial that redefined commercials for the Super Bowl. It's considered the number one Super Bowl commercial of all time. And it, it was mm -hmm. basically them kind of taking a stab at IBM and they did it with the whole 1984 theme. Like, remember that book? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of an overcoming the monster theme and it was done really, really well in the sense that when you watch it, it's not obvious what's going on in terms of who they're talking about. It's obvious that they're talking about some sort of, robotic force it's it kind of reminds me of the situation we're in it's just when you watch the video it's obviously really really old school so it wouldn't hit home like it does now but my whole point but it really still is, does hit home for the message the underlying message there when you think oh, about yeah, it yeah of course but the whole point is they figured out a way to kind of go after that theme without saying that that's what they were doing and you know it's cool because then when people watch it it creates kind of a conversation among the viewers where they get to debate among themselves what they think it meant. And that's what a really good commercial does. So it really comes down to what you're getting at for us is having an underlying message with overcoming the monster without saying it. Like for example, Corey, like Dan and I were talking about the idea of having a food fight where, you know, we're up against these big guys. We have spitballs and they have grenade launchers. You know, where it, things where yeah. we have underlying messages subtly without saying anything. Yeah, I actually love that. That's a great idea. I, I think the yeah. food fight thing is very interesting. I really, when we break that down, I think it's a great platform for, because, you know, in a lunchroom, everyone can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, yep. the food fight something we could definitely make kind of like a funny thing. But then when you look at the Apple 1984 ad, it's almost a similar message that we're trying to create, which is like, hey, IBM is this corporate monster that is trying to control the world. And it was almost more of a powerful ad than a funny ad. Had it been funny, it doesn't create that, oh man, you almost want to create those feelings like, damn. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think it necessarily has to be like a humor ad. I think it could be a powerful message through that type of visual. So you think we could do a food fight ad that's not meant to be a comedy? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Not to but... mention, I also think we could do a food fight comedy ad that gets the message across of what we're trying to do on a whole other level. Yeah, it might just be comedic without intention. 
Yeah, and that's when it's like there's two ways of going about it. There's like you could do something that will just be funny where people are like, oh, this is funny. But then you could do something that creates that powerful message where subconsciously people are watching it thinking to themselves like, oh, this is a powerful machine that's getting too big to control. And what that turns into could be scary. And that's not supposed to be funny. And if you could successfully like create that feeling in someone – you're going to do damage. Maybe it's uh, like, cause yeah, we could do one that's comedy, which as we see, that's one of the seven themes we'll get to in a minute, but maybe it's something even where we have these giant like forces trying to pancake our entire markets where they're coming through with one of those, you know, what are those machines that like, you know, just flatline things like it, it like pancakes yeah, everything. Like- so it's like we're yeah. like sprinting in front of this thing and it's just like kind of like demolishing everything in sight. Like I, I feel like we could do something with that notion to think about with the overcoming the monster. But the, the comedy, we could do a comedy thing, a comedy segment just for fun, for like a, literally for that being the point of the whole thing, which is something we should think about anyway. Yeah, like kind of making a South Park style animated video. Yeah, like a food fight where that could be one of the episodes where it's literally us versus them in a over. It could be a comedy segment that also kind of overlaps a different message. Well, we have somebody that is able to make that script for us. What we would need to do in order for them to get started on it is come up with the characters that we want in the script. So let's start thinking about that. That's something we should try to break down this week. And And that's like when you kind of dive into these short little videos or animated videos, the ones that hit home, they all have these characters in them that are really relatable that hit home. Yeah. All right. Well, let's think that over. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, guys, besides overcoming the monster, then there's rags to riches stories, which is, you know, those stories about somebody that comes from nothing and then hits it big. And when you think about, like, I know Damon John's our next week's book with Power of Broke, that, that's a prime example of that. Uh, I like what you did there. Right? Yeah, exactly. So that, that'll be a great thing. Because I, I actually just finished that read a couple days ago. Phenomenal. That resonated with awesome loved book, right? well, loved, I think that guy's the yeah. man. That, that, that's something we'll go into way more next week. But that's something, when you think about our situation, I don't really think that's something even worth exploring? What do you guys think as a video to even create? Because we don't want to force things here. That's part of what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Just because there are seven themes that hit home with people, that doesn't mean we should be creating seven types of stories. If a couple don't yeah. resonate. Yeah, we have to do what's... Yeah, exactly. We have to do what's best for So us. out of these, what do you guys best think? Let us let me just list out the rest and then we could go over what actually doesn't even pertain to us. So we can all agree, rags to riches makes no sense for us. It's not our story. The, que- yeah. the quest is a difference. The, the quest is the journey we're on, right? The voyage. So that's something that clearly pertains to the day in the life, Dan, that you have are having us all craft now with the animations. Fucking uber exact trying to do a day in the life of what she yeah, wears. But, like like I said to you, that's not even, I don't see how you resonate with an exec at a company that's, that big. Like, I don't see how that actually is the same as what we're doing there. No, I think the quest is basically our ultimate uh, marketing theme of the year, which is, you know, kind of a feed your story message where we're hoping that with everything we're doing, people will identify and be like, oh, like, this is a story that I could relate to. This is something I could see myself doing. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% the quest. I, I think that's like the ultimate theme of what we're what we're all about is the quest. So may, maybe that's where we're top heavy with our content creation and ad spend. When you think about it, like these reviews with deals, that's part of the quest, right? Pro, give providing people informative and engaging stuff. Do, what we're doing right now is the quest, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I was looking up uh, just commercials to bring up on this when. I was trying to read up on these things and one of the ones I came across that was just so cool and it falls into the quest thing. It was a Honda commercial that they ran during one of the Super Bowls and it's one of those illustration commercials where they're basically going through all the illustrations of the Honda developments throughout the years of Honda. So it's like, you know, their early cars, their bikes and it's just like it's so cool. You guys should watch it. I'm going to send it I both to you. I think I've actually seen that, Dan. 
yeah, yeah and it's such a yes yeah, my way it's a feel good type of commercial because you're watching it and you know it's just like you're following the story of a company that's been around forever you're seeing their early days you're seeing how they evolved it's it's really really cool i'm gonna send it to you right now yeah the other one i thought that hit home for us was rebirth um just skipping down the line here but just obviously our whole story and then where we have to rebrand and we built Lodell from the ground up from scratch. And that kind of reminded me of the whole rebirth. Yeah, Corey, I think you're dead on. And that whole, like we talked about with Bob Egger last week with uh, innovator die. When you really think about it, a company has to have rebirths. Uh, to evolve. Yeah. And that has a lot to do. Yeah. A lot of uh, rebirth obviously has a lot to do with change and we've obviously changed our ways multiple times um, to better our company and, you know, compete with competition. So yeah, that really struck me as something that was relatable to us so as well. So the question is what, what can we do to turn some content into rebirth? If, if that's something we want to do as an angle to resonate with customers, because like, is the rewards program is a prime example of that, right? A rebirth app. When we think about it, it's something yeah. that we're doing new, like a hungry buffs, new logo. That, that's like rebirth. So th- that's a great point, Corey, to it think is. about for our ads is that that should be, mm-hmm. you know, part of what we think about with some of the stuff that we're directing with people. Yeah. And, and then when you look at comedy, obviously, that's something that resonates with everyone. And that's something we can always make happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, there's so many good stories. And then just every, comedy relates to everyone so that's something to definitely incorporate i'm gonna, my I'm gonna play the old spice comedy commercial right now it's classic oh wait you guys can't hear that can you yeah you got your headphones in yeah, hold on Lady scented body wash and switched to old spice he could smell like he's me look down back up where are oh, no, you here we go Hello, ladies. Look at your man. Now back to me. Now back at your man. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped using lady scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. Look again. The tickets are now diamond. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm on a horse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean that campaign crushed it for them. Really good. Yeah. I, another one that uh, I mean, this is from at the '90s, but it was Corbell, the champagne company. I'm not going to play it because it's more of a visual ad. But if you guys check that out, I'll send it to you later. It's really funny, and the, it was a big thing back in the day. They won with that ad. I mean, they beat out a ton of champagne companies and wine companies just because it was humorous and uh, their sales spiked. Mm. Yeah, I'm pumped to yeah. see that. I feel like we've never really done a funny ad. It's one of those things where you either fall hard or you fly high. You know, I was really I was watching back our deliveries campaign, and I honestly thought it was hysterical. Like the characters' names with like <laughs> oh, I thought name, that was great. Best yeah. it it is so funny, um, and I thought that was just genius. We were ahead of our time there, yeah. but um, yeah, it still plays. We're today. swapping out the logos, right, Corey? I think we should swap out the logos with that so he, one. He said he did. Yeah, he's going to do it for us. That's awesome. Yeah, we should run those. That's great. That's real hyper local too. It is. And it does, you know, I think we should just at the end also have him switch. Like instead of it says like uh, go over to btimemenus.com, we should just say download the app. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. So, yeah, guys, I think there's a lot of food for thought there as we continue to – build out this content when it comes to the ads that we're going to be directing to people using these storylines as our foundation, because that is what hits home. When you look at any successful ads, the ones you guys just brought up, even it's the same exact themes. So same with the books that we're going over. They all have the one we're going to be talking about right now with 11 rings. When you think about it, it's really the quest, (laughs) When you think about Phil Jackson's constant theme, it's the quest and it's it's life. And uh, so, yeah, I guess at that point, do you guys have any other points you wanted to touch on with the storylines before we dive into the book? Can I play one more commercial? That was super powerful. Go for it. 
Yeah, please, right. please do. Yeah. Let's see if you guys remember this one. When I grow up, I want to file all day. I want to claw my way up to middle management. Be replaced on a whim. I want to have a brown nose. I want to be a yes man. Yes woman. Yes sir. Coming sir. Anything for a raise sir. When I grow up. When I grow up. I want to be underappreciated. Be paid less for doing the same job. I want to be forced into early retirement. Um, I know that one. Let's hear it. That was a, that was a, a a job search ad, right? Yeah. For a job yeah, it was search. monsters. It was indeed, or monster, yeah. Yeah, monster just hasn't evolved their model. Like I, they're they've had great ads over the years. Their actual business model, I'm just I question. Powerful ad, though, right? Yeah, big time. It is. Uh, that's all I got though for that. Cool. So yeah, guys, this week, our second book of uh, 2020 was 11 Rings, The Souls of Success, which was the former legendary coach and player, Phil Jackson, although he was way more of a legendary coach than player. He actually played for the New York Knicks, and uh, an injury uh, in his career is really, ironically, what got him into the whole coaching mentality, which we'll get into, but... The book really highlights, it starts off with him uh, at a celebration after the Lakers, his last championship as a coach. And what it, it kind of seemed like it was the toughest challenge for him to win that year because the team was the toughest to gel. So the book really breaks down in, in chronological order his entire life story beginning at a young age where he had a really religious family and upbringing which clearly clearly affected the rest of his life and his outlook and trying to find a, a different calling because he clearly was never really a religious person. And it was fascinating that his life got started with such an, a, a strict upbringing in the church. And that went against how he views life to this day. And he, he played for the Knicks, got hurt. Uh, the book really breaks down, though, most of his coaching career as a coach of the Chicago Bulls and as a coach of the Lakers. And when you, for those of you that don't know sports, these teams that Phil Jackson coached were, uh, the players on these teams were some of the top talents in the history of the NBA. You're talking about Michael Jordan, arguably the best NBA player and arguably the best pro athlete in history. When you think about impactful people that, divided the, you know, the line between race and sports. He, he was a symbol. He wasn't even a, somebody that was looked at as black. And that's how powerful Michael Jordan was. And even the personalities with him on that team, with Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, who had an insane checkered past. Uh, Phil Jackson had to coach a lot of crazy egos on that team. And then when you look at the Lakers, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal, two alpha males that were champions in their own right, but he, Phil Jackson had to figure out a way to have two alpha males work together as one, which is really the common theme, guys, of this whole book is about how Phil Jackson really embraces the ring. That's his ongoing theme is the ring, the circle of trust, the ring. And it ironically is really what uh, he took from uh, Coach Tex Winters to be the triangle offense when you really think about it, it's that circle of truck. And that's what he anchored all of his success on, that coaching style. So that, that's really the summary of this book. Um, I have a lot of thoughts personally on it, but I, I want to get started with you guys. Corey, let's go with you since you actually recommended this one. Yeah, I mean, I love this book. Um, one of my favorite ones. And honestly, it was just a great change of pace from the last book we read. Um, it was just much different. But clearly this whole book was just based on leadership and how he changed his approach in every situation that was handed to him. Um, even from his marriage and his family to his own personal journeys. Uh, obviously, like you said, coaching the likes of Michael Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, Bryant, and Shaq. Even down the line, managing a team that had Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, Carmelo, huge personalities. 
and they're all just so completely different. And um, even handling GMs such as like Jerry Krause and Jerry Buss, who was the owner of the Lakers, it, it was amazing to see how his Zen-like approach and he was really the person who created uh, the players' cur- players coach, that terminology. Um, he really let the players just do what they wanted to do until he felt the need to step in and kind of, you know, make sure things didn't escalate. Obviously, with Kobe and Shaq, things got a little bit crazy. Even with um, Dennis Rodman, the players had, you know, some heat when Rodman kicked the cameraman in the playoff game and then couldn't play. So, yeah, I mean, but the whole thing, just seeing his leadership qualities change in every interaction that he had. Honestly, the funniest part about this book, I just crack up um, picturing and envisioning Phil Jackson riding away on motorcycles, which he commonly that does. That was a cool vision. <laughs> I, I, that was actually my favorite part of the entire book. <laughs> yeah, like every time he would say that. He mentioned that like four or five times. I was cracking up. And then when Shaq came to visit, um, I think his family in Wyoming, he was just there. And Phil makes Shaq pick up a tree and like do yard work. That kind of reminded <laughs> me of that blue up. chip scene where Shaq just shows up at like when he's, you know, being tutored. And he's just showing up at the, yep. at the school like that. I wonder if that actually came from that since, you know, they must have gotten that idea from somewhere where Shaq just shows up somewhere. Yeah. And then, um, but my biggest takeaway is, I mean, um, he definitely stressed to trust the moment. Um, Zen obviously helped Phil focus on the moment without distraction from the past or the future. Um, you know, showing down the way he experienced time and becoming more aware of the present. He was very big on the present. And, you know, he said, if you get too caught up in the future, you won't actually remember present day. And I thought that was, that was very interesting. Um, you know, he stressed living with compassion. You know, he said that, um, Actually, obviously mentions Buddha the entire time, but living a compassionate life is very important. Um, Particularly, I think there was a key that he thought had, um, there was a building block of his work as a coach, which he said, he said, uh, what you do for yourself, you're doing for others. And what you do for others, you're doing for yourself. And uh, I really like that quote. So Corey, are you going to start meditating now every day, you think? (laughs) Definitely not. But it definitely, I honestly like his whole outlook is just so chill, and I, I get why the players wanted to show out for him. It just made sense. Yeah, to them. Hey, great leader. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Good stuff, Dan. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the whole great leader thing is my big takeaway from it. Obviously, when you're dealing with people at the top of their craft in anything, whether it's business or sports acting, whatever. What's that, what's that noise? Do you guys hear that? All right, we're getting that. I think Dan um, has a mountain lion attacking. <laughs> no, when you're dealing at the – when you're dealing with people at the top of your craft, I, I could only imagine how hard it probably is to bring everyone together, get everybody kind of under the same thought process so it works out. So that's pretty admirable or admirable, I should say. Uh, you know, some of the things he talked about from his early on life, maybe a little fabricated. I don't really know. I mean, the whole, the whole scene where he's like laying in bed as a kid and here's the train coming. And this was back when he was like, quote unquote, still an afraid little boy. And he describes the train coming and every second it's like getting louder and louder. And then all of a sudden like, boom. And then he wakes up the next day and is no longer afraid of life. It's like, what, what was going on there? Was that like a 11 year old on acid or something? I, I think that was a 40 year old Phil on acid who kind of like, in, you know, implemented instilled that in that part of the story. But yeah, I mean, that was pretty interesting. I was definitely taken back by Phil's early days. I didn't know the story at all. And you know, I don't follow basketball as much as you guys do. So, you know, he obviously won 11 rings. So he's the man. As a coach, two more as a player. So I didn't even know that. Two more as a player. But, uh, you know, he also had Kobe Bryant and MJ. So I wonder how much of a part of that they played and how much of that would have happened with any coach. I mean, 
But yeah, I thought I, I just thought some of it was like some of the stuff he was saying was a little annoying. It was like a little over the top where I was like, all right, man, I get it. You're the Zen master, self-proclaimed Zen master. <laughs> like I feel like he came up with that himself. But I obviously have a ton of respect for the guy. He won 11 rings and has done a lot of great things with his life. So yeah, I think for me specifically, I just that's the time I was really following basketball. I really don't, you know, I love basketball. I don't follow it that much these days, but during the '90s and early 2000s, I mean, that's when basketball was awesome. And um, obviously, being a huge Knicks fan, the Knicks Bulls rivalries were just crazy. So when you got into the chapters talking about the Bulls, um, I mean, I loved that. I just I didn't even know half the things. You know, it's crazy where Jordan would stay up all night and then go golfing and then still kill it the next day. <laughs> like it's insane. That guy was just loved competition so much. And then, you know, when they were comparing Jordan and Kobe, even Jordan said like the only player that is comparable to me is Kobe. But the main difference that Phil said was Jordan loved being on a team. He loved partying. He loved gambling. He loved golfing. Kobe was just like, Kobe just wanted to be the best. Yeah. And I still think Jordan's a better player, but um, I found that all that thing, all that stuff, pretty interesting because um, everyone compares Jordan and Kobe, and obviously now LeBron. Yeah, the the one other thing that was just a funny takeaway, not even a takeaway, but one of the funniest things that he was saying was when he talked about how he would like change certain ways based on how a player would react, and then he went into talking about Dennis Rodman and how he used to like. He basically said how Phil Jackson stopped pacing up and down the sidelines of a basketball court because he realized it would, like, get Dennis Rodman all worked up. <laughs> and anytime <laughs> Phil Jackson would yell at the refs, Dennis Rodman would start yelling at the refs. I was just, like, cracking up visualizing that whole thing. Like, anytime Phil Jackson's walking up and down the court, you just see Dennis Rodman just starts, like, going nuts. <laughs> and, like, Phil Jackson gets into an argument with the ref. Dennis Rodman comes over and just acts like a crazy person. <laughs> There's a part when um I guess right when Rodman kicked the cameraman, he got kicked out and then he got suspended and he came back. He had a really good game and an interviewer went up to Michael J- Jordan and they're like, so Mike, what would you uh, say to Dennis Rodman right now? He's like, I would actually tell him to just wear boxers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he would never wear boxers and his junk was always hanging That's out. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, overall, you know, coming – I was a bit biased coming into this because I was a diehard Bulls fan during that whole run and, you know, wanted to be a sports announcer. I knew everything about the Bulls and the whole backstory of all these things. So I honestly – my expectations, to be fair to Phil – were beyond sky high of him. Uh, I always have looked up to Phil Jackson from afar. I think this book is a wet dream for teaching fundamentals, and no doubt you can gain a lot from it. I personally, the one thing from the book that I really respected that he did was when he, if you guys remembered how he got a book for different players, each player, he got a different yeah, book where he felt like it would actually relate to and help them. And even when he was talking about having that one-on-one with Michael Jordan when he was going to retire and he knew after a while, like he was not going to be deterred, but he was there for him. And I'm, I'm a, it sounds like that actually happened. I doubt he would have gone into detail about that if he was fabricating on any of those fronts. Um, so I think it was really cool how he was able to – I I personally think take early outside influences from his life through to his strict background in religion. I think he really opened his mind to being open-minded to learning a lot. And that's what I respect about Phil Jackson more than anything is when you look at his combination of like the Buddhism, the Native American ways that he took from certain things, and even the, the triangle offense from another coach, he had no problem taking outside influences and implementing them into his own strategy. And I, I think there's a yeah. lot to be said for that, for a humility in a person and being, being able to be a leader at that level. That, that, that's how he was able to manage egos to that extent, I think, from being able to be going in open-minded like that. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I did find it funny that the only people who didn't read the books were Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, well, that's, that's where I wanted to get. It's funny you bring that up, Corey, because to be honest, the book read to me like a guy that on one end preached that, you know, he, this Zen master, which I get, I have no doubt he practices mindfulness, all these things, but there's no doubt a big part of Phil Jackson loves all the attention. Reading between the lines, reading this book, I think he ruffled feathers a lot with Kobe and MJ when, and said things that he probably should never have said to the media for his own attention purposes. Like, I think there were times where he was a media whore, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, and I, I actually found that interesting. I wrote that down. It was like, all right, so this Zen master who was really kind of behind the scenes at first, you kind of get that feel where like he's like behind the scenes, letting the players do whatever he wants. He would rile up the media where, you know, they, they would be like, oh, Phil Jackson, all the storylines would be about Phil Jackson and not the players. So I just found that interesting. Like at first I was like, oh, this guy, you know, he's quiet, letting the players do his thing. But he really was – he had a game plan of riling no, up the I media. No, I got like the whole notion of, and, oh, I'm trying to distract the media from the players to put the heat on me. But it's like there was more than that with Phil. Like, no. There was way – he was Hollywood, <laughs> yeah. Phil. Hooking up with the owner of the Lakers' daughter, ending up with her. Let's be real. Phil Jackson was not a guy that liked hanging out in North Dakota and Wyoming that much. That's all I'm getting at. So from from Fargo, North Dakota, I respect the guy's balance. It's like anything in life. It's about balance, right? Like I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I want to be based in New York city and be able to visit a place like Colorado. So when I looked at Phil Jackson, you could tell there, he knows himself really well. But I, I thought he was kind of full of shit with some of the fluff in there. And I, I got it was to sell yeah. books and everything, but that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little. Like, it didn't all seem genuine the way that was written. I know what. The book came out in 2013. Sounds right. I, I think, yeah, 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 2013. Yeah, yeah. Phil Jackson's yeah. been uh, off Twitter since June of 2018. He's actually, I think he's meditating. I tweeted at him before we got on this podcast and I was like, where have you been, Phil? We should try to get Phil on our podcast. That would be interesting. I know. The one, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I feel like we got to try and reach out to these people like weeks before we actually talk about them. If we really want to get one of them on where we go through that process, like way in advance. Yeah, but either way, it would be dope having him on after like someone on after we talked about it. Like, I yeah, personally like want to get on the guy, like that Michael Pollan guy, the psychedelic researcher. I think that would be a dope guy to have on our podcast to just go over his thoughts on science and medicine. We need to get Gary V on here. <laughs> but uh, my last takeaway from that book, um, I liked how he didn't hide anger. Um, you know, he's just trying to eliminate anger as if it were like a flow. And he was saying, like, the more you hide your anger, the more it'll come out bursting later on. So it's better learning how anger actually affects you and to learn to channel its energy and, you know, use that to focus and create positive energy. I thought that was interesting. I think I'd personally definitely hide my anger um, when I am angry. I'm not angry a lot, but when I do, I definitely hide it. So I took that that hit home with yeah, me. Yeah, Corey, from now on, if you get angry, just punch someone in the face and you're <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. But you know, I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a great awareness thing though. At the end of the day, it's not healthy to keep things internalized in any fashion. Yeah. So my two takeaways from the last book is be optimistic. This one is don't hide anger. And again, I don't get anger that often, but when I do, I definitely keep it inside. Yeah, I, I like those Close takes. My, my biggest take from this is to constantly try to stay in the moment. I, I really do work on that, but it's so much easier said than done. Being in a business where we're always looking ahead and trying to plan and set objectives and things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely, you know, lots of th- a lot of food for thought there, but I'm pumped to dive into Power of Broke next week. My uh, yeah, biggest takeaway is a visual and the visual is of Phil Jackson telling his team, are you guys ready to be coached by me? If so, take a step across the line. Like, he <laughs> talks about that. Yeah. I, like, he's like, if you wish to accept the game, I embrace and follow my coach and follow my coaching. 
as a sign of your commitment, step across that line. I'm just imagining like a big Shaquille O'Neal next to Kobe Bryant. And then like, for whatever reason, I imagine them, bl- I imagine them blindfolded during this process. And they're like, it's kind of like an old school scene from the movie Old School. That's just <laughs> what I was thinking the whole time. I like, like it. That- yeah, where they're standing on the ledge was, and they, they have to, like, strap the bricks to their tank yeah, and drop it. <laughs> I bet they, they probably did a like bunch how... of this type of stuff, old school, like, type of pranks. Dude, that's how I was imagining <laughs> that whole thing. That's the only way you play on one of Phil's championship teams. <laughs> I was just like, how how high is Very this high. guy? He, like, he every, really didn't go over his marijuana like... or, like, hallucinogenin usage at all. Hallucinogenin. He's just been micro... Yeah, micro. Yeah, we should have him sure. and Conchon. And then Mike. That. Yeah, I think his I think <laughs> his parents would like freak out if they knew he was into any of that. Yeah, shit. but you could tell he is, and that was one thing I thought was comical that he didn't even touch on it. It's like Phil, you're in the middle of the woods writing this right now. Come on. <laughs> well, guys, what's up? And then Mike, I'm I'm absolutely shocked you're not wearing your uh, Michael Jordan jersey. That, I thought you were you know, Corey, it's a this. great call. I actually have it in the wash. Or right. I, I was actually thinking about that the other day, and it didn't ha- that didn't end up happening. Very frustrating. We'll have to have that on when we have Michael Jordan on our podcast. <laughs> Do you think that'll ever happen? That was the one thing I want to end on, actually. That was funny. Remember when Dennis Rodman went to his room to ask for a cigar? That's when he knew he, he fucked up and made a mistake. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was really – that I was dope. It's like that's what you got from that. Yeah, Michael well, that's Jordan. how Michael Jordan thinks. He's like, "Oh, the guy wants a cigar. He's sorry. I get it." <laughs> I thought that was cool because yeah. he understood how Dennis yeah, Rodman cool. thought. He was on that level with them. So, <laughs> all right, guys, great job. That was awesome. Time for dinner. Bootstrapped in the trenches, yeah. making moves, going all out every day. Handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get low down, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.